Welcome back to The Four Podmen, your weekly dose of pro wrestling on the Dynamo Podcast Network. Head over to YouTube, smash that subscribe and bell notification button. Audio versions of the show are available through Spotify, Podbean, Apple iTunes, wherever you pick up your audio versions of the show, you will find The Four Podmen there. We also can be contacted on Facebook, The Four Podmen, or on Twitter, at T Podmen. Joining me tonight for another special episode of a a watered-down version of the Four Podman, let's say. It's more like a tag-team version of the Four Podman. Joe, the Beef Dogman. Joe, how you doing, my man? I'm good, pal. Uh, we're talking about one of my favourite things, so we're uh, in, in a very good mood. <laughs> Absolutely. Tonight, we're going to take, um, you could call it a deep dive, but probably not a deep dive into TNA wrestling, Impact Wrestling, of course, total non-stop action, where we're going to take a look at the impact, to excuse the pun, that the promotion had on the landscape of pro wrestling. Have a look at some of the stars that it made and also some of the stars that it revitalized and the impact that it had on the current product and the stars that are there now. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I was like yourself, Joe, I've been a huge fan of TNA back since I suppose I started 2003, 2004, I started watching it. So I didn't get a lot of the early days of Nashville, which I believe was really, really top stuff as well. Um, it was, but don't forget, Niall, it was also very hard to get that because they were pay per view for a long time. Yeah. I think their first 18 months or something were just pay per view, yeah, as far as I can remember. Now, they mm-hmm. were they were a good while on pay per view yeah. anyway, before you get yeah. they were they were easier to find. Like. And I remember it's, it's an interesting dynamic for me as well because at the time, around that time, was the time that I opened the shop, and at that time, I was the only shop in Europe outside of the States that stopped TNA DVDs and Ring of Honor DVDs. So I kind of, I feel good at the fact that I kind of introduced it to the Irish market, if you like, in terms of people used to come in to me looking for an alternative to WWE and I go, just get any of the Ring of Honor shows or any of the TNA shows and you'll have a blast. They're awesome. And I think I created a bunch of fans for both promotions at the time. Um, so I always loved it because I liked TNA because it was kind of like, there was a little bit of a grit to it, but there was a little bit of WCW, there was a little bit of NWA, there was a little bit of Ring of Honor, so there was a little bit of everything to it, which I really, really liked. Um, you know, like, sorry, man. Uh, oh, like, everyone loves an underdog story, you know? And these guys came out of nowhere. Um, I, I thought it was a very wise move to affiliate themselves with the NWA initially, and that the, their world title was the NWA world title. Yeah. Um, I thought that was very, very good. I th- thought it made very good business sense to do that. Um, I know, I know. Uh, not long after that, they fell out and stuff like that. But it was, it was, it was a good idea at the time. And as you said, it, it's made so many, so many stars over the years. And as you said, it revitalised a lot of careers. And uh, one thing I hate here, uh, not you don't hear it so much anymore because it's actually, once again, it's, it's you know the roller coaster of what DNA and Impact do. It's it's actually good again now. Like they had Slammiversary there at the weekend. And, it, it went down the storm. Be, I, unfortunately, I haven't seen it myself yet. Yeah. But, <laughs> but it went down the storm. and uh, So they're back kind of uh, putting out a, a very, very good product. Whereas I know they went through years of muck. But which, which promotion hasn't? Every promotion has thrown out absolute dog shit over the years. Like How often do we uh, give out about WWE? You know, they're, because they're doing, putting out crap. So I think these guys get a lot an awful lot of hate that's completely unwarranted. And, um, you know, so, I, I, and as I said, everyone loves an underdog story. And this is the 
you know, they're, they're a promotion that just refuse to die. And every time you think they're on the way out, like it has to be over now, they have they come back and uh, make things good again. So uh, uh, you know, I'm 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 a big fan as yourself, like yourself. And yeah, look, it's been tough to watch it at times, you know, especially under Dixie Carter. It got real bad. She, you know, she was a fan that had too much money and she made a lot of silly decisions and brought in a lot of people that should never have been anywhere near. Yeah, but, it's, um, it's, it's hard to kind of, in fairness now, it's hard to go in fully on Dixie Carter in terms of that, because obviously, yeah, there was money there, but I mean, she was taking advantage of really, wasn't she? I mean, she was ill-advised. Guys came in and absolutely took the piss, really, and put her down a path, really. You know, a lot of that stuff that was decided there, that wasn't coming out of her head, let's be honest yep. there. There was whispers in the background telling her, this would be cool, and this would be great. And it was absolute rubbish and stuff like that. But the other thing I'd say about promotions to have a bit of a downturn and stuff like that, you know, think of the volume of talent and top talent that they lost year after year after year. I mean, if you look at WWE, you know, I don't think it gives near enough credit to TNA and to Ring of Honor in terms of the stars that they created that moved from the indie scene into these promotions, which I don't necessarily regard Ring of Honor and TNA as an indie scene, if you like. They're, they're standalone promotions there. But they don't get near enough credit from WWE for the stars that they created that was absorbed into WWE. Even to this current day, I mean, we talk about Seth Rollins, who obviously was Tyler Black and Ring of Honor and stuff like that and all, you know what I mean? So much talent going through there. Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn. The whole roster is littered with people that either were in WWE and left, as we said, and got revitalized and came back. Or went straight into WWE and have been absolute stalwarts in there. You know what I mean? And we, look go at the, down, we go down through some of the names, no doubt, as well. Yeah. You should look at the last two champions on Raw, Drew McIntyre and Bobby Lashley. Both ma- made names for themselves again, again in, in Impact, you know, because they, you know, WWE just, you know, didn't see enough in them or they pushed them too early or whatever, uh, which I think was the case for Lashley anyway. He was pushed far too early. And, you know, went to Impact, rebuilt himself, and now he's their champion. And as you said, I think they, uh, they, the likes of them and Ring of Honor, they don't get nearly enough credit because WWE does not churn out too many of its own. It really doesn't. There's very few, like I, I, Alexa Bliss, I know, is one of their own. Braun Strowman was, but he's gone now. And, uh, I, I, well, I suppose, well, I suppose with the new NXT and the Performance Center and stuff like that, the way they've set up now, they absorb them as their own, if you like, because they have this kind of, you know, you're out there in the indie scene or in these promotions, you come into NXT, you become something totally different, and then you move on to the big shows. So in theory, WWE regards them as being their own, you know what I mean? But if you look at someone, look at someone like, say, Bobby Roode, and look at the different dynamic of Bobby Roode and how he has evolved over time. And a lot of people will turn around and say to Bobby Roode, like, I'm not really into Bobby Roode. He's a bit boring. He's a bit quiet. His promos are a bit slack and stuff like that. Go and look at Bobby Roode when he started in TNA, back in the Team Canada days and stuff like that. The evolution into bare money, all the way into NXT, all the way up onto the big shows. Absolutely outstanding. Yeah, but yeah. even, even you left out like his championship, his world championship run, like when he yeah. had that right, him and James Storm, like that was amazing. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, you know, so like I, I, there's a lot of, a lot of love that WWE could be given these guys. And I think another thing, like when we talked about, yeah, I think you 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 uh, mentioned it a bit. You know, the up and down of, 
of impact and ring, ring of honor sort of that. Um, you know, as you said, they lose sure they lose people every year because these big promotions come in to take them off. Yeah. Or or they they hit yeah. money or they hit money struggles themselves and they have to offload yeah. people. And uh, so that's that's very that's a lot of messing that they have to deal with. Like where where WWE can just absorb so much crap. You know, because and if if there's if if there is a bit of a downturn in money, whatever they can literally absorb it, to, you know, jettison quite a few people. Because if you look at uh, Impact or Ring of Honor, their rosters are tiny compared to WWE or AEW. Yeah. Mm. You know, because they just can't afford to be splashing out all left, right, and center. You know. Yeah. So they have to hit a home run nearly every time, and they're putting this TV stuff out. The the other thing I'd say as well with WWE being such a monster as well, with so much talent and so much creative going on, you know, if you throw enough crap at the wall, you're eventually going to hit a bullseye. Eventually, you know what I mean. So it's kind of like that. Whereas if you look at these smaller promotions, you know, I mean, I spoke about it the other night when we reviewed Money in the Bank with Darren. How the whole card was fantastic. It was like that in TNA for years and in Ring of Honor. From start to finish, it was stacked. And every match was awesome. Every match was a main event because it had to be. And I often wonder, prior to NXT and prior to sort of, you know, the blow-up of Florida Championship Wrestling and OVW and all this kind of stuff, at times I often wondered, was Vince in the background semi-funding these promotions because they were such a feeder for him? You know what I mean? Like, if you think about Ring of Honor, how many Ring of Honor guys have gone even through Impact or TNA and into WWE? I mean, we sometimes people forget like Christopher Daniels, AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, Homicide, Hernandez, all these guys. They were all Ring of Honor guys before they were TNA guys. Mm. You know what I mean? And that was kind of the loophole that worked. And that's why TNA initially worked so well because it was working with a relationship with Ring of Honor, had a relationship with New Japan and anyone else. I mean, I think at times they did some work with Pro Wrestling Gorilla as well. And they used to go over to Japan and do the World Cups and the, the Global Impact Wars and all that kind of stuff, which was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, the, the X Cup as well, was not another one yeah. they did. Awesome. And they should even work with a few Mexican promotions yeah. too. Like yes, yeah, uh, absolutely. They used to bring in guys from AAA and everything and all. And like, it was really, really cool, you know. Um, and I just think I just think that's 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 where their success was. And of course, then Big Brother comes along and goes, I'd like AJ Styles and stuff like that. But sometimes it didn't quite work that way because sometimes there was disgruntled talent who decided it's now time to go and earn real money because you guys are acting the big. So when we talk about TNA, the dynamic of TNA is the pre and the post Hogan Bischoff era, and that's how I kind of describe it, you know. Um but yeah, let's go through, go through some of the names. Let's 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 call out some of the names here and let's have a, a chat around them and stuff like that. Yeah, well, you mentioned a couple of them there, like the likes of AJ Styles, Power Joe, Chris Daniels, and you mentioned Bobby Roode too. Like, you know, they were, you know, like I know you you talked about how they went, they were so a lot of them were Ring of Honor then into uh, TNA Impact, like, and I think the whole TNA Impact thing prepares them better for commercial TV. Then Ring of Honor, because Ring of Honor, like as good as Ring of Honor is, it's very niche. Like it's, you know, it's it's got yeah. a smaller, it's got quite a small audience, and um, you know, for pure wrestling fans, Ring of Honor is brilliant, mm. and um, so I think that just prepares them better for TV. Hence why WWE nick an awful lot of people from there because they just know yeah. they know how to act in front of the camera. Get the well get for for years, it was the only show in town. 
that you were going to get talent from. Like there was no one nowhere else unless you wanted to go down the road of bringing in a Japanese performer or something like that from New Japan or something like that. But where else were you going to go? Where were you going to find it unless you were bringing it out of Florida Championship Wrestling, OVW or NXT or whatever you like? Those kind of, you know, sort of side promotions, if you like. But um, I mean, they'd nowhere else to go. Like the only show in town for a long time was WWE and TNA and then Ring of Honor was like the bastard child somewhere out here you know that kind of way that's the yeah. way it was you know so yeah absolutely no you're not wrong and then like there's there's, there's so many as I said like, I started writing and I just I kept writing <laughs> you know as I said then you, you look at the flip side lads that kind of got lost in WWE and got jettisoned or whatever and then you know made made a big comeback there like you had Ron Killings who was or truth it was just a comedy character in WWE. They went to TNA, won the world title. I think he was the first NWA world champion, first yeah. African-American world, yeah. NWA world's heavyweight champion. Yeah. And uh, then I think he didn't, when he went back to WWE, they put him in the main event scene for a small, for a small while, as far as I can remember. That's right, he did, yeah. He came back. A great again. American bash or something, didn't he fight for the title? I think it was, I think. Yeah. yeah. You know, so you know, you know, that, wouldn't, that wouldn't have happened if he hadn't gone. Yeah. yeah hadn't a jump ship and come back like and then the the, the 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 one everyone knows Christian Cage you know who was traded so they could get Ric Flair and, uh, I think they wanted Ric Flair in the Hall of Fame or something was that it and they said they give him Chris oh you can have Christian Cage well, we do this. and I'm telling you if if TNA had uh, had been bigger Jesus Christ Vince McMahon and co would have been shitting their pants because he was so so good yeah. and everyone was just looking going what the hell have they done let, let this guy go because he was yeah. He absolutely blossomed in DNA. Yeah, was I, was, I, I was I was there for his debut. I, I think it was I'm trying to remember whether I can't remember the name of the paper. I think it was a final resolution. I'm not too sure. Um, but he debuted and I remember when you go to TNA over in the Universal Studios, it's basically it holds about eight hundred people. The impact zone did the original one in Universal. And you basically queued up outside and the first eight hundred people got in. And that's how it worked. And okay. you used to, I remember you go into one queue outside and then they bring you into an internal queue and that's when they started counting. And I remember all the talk that I, I felt so sorry for Christian Cage because he was debuting that night and all the talk I think was the passing of Eddie Guerrero. And it was so sad. I think it was around the same weekend and some of that. And that really dampened the mood down, even though he got a great reception. If you go and you look at it, I'm sure it's on YouTube. But when he came out of those tunnels, and I loved those entrance tunnels, they're awesome. Because I'm obviously a big Star Wars fan as well, and I love sort of space and stuff like that. But those those tunnels and the way they came out either side as well was absolutely cool. And the, the funny thing about it being there, I was there for a couple of pay-per-views and stuff like that. But you could be standing in the queue there to get like a Coke and they used to do these turkey legs because I don't know if you remember back in the day, they used to do the turkey leg chant and all the people that had these big huge turkey legs that you'd buy, they were like fried turkey legs in tinfoil and everyone in the crowd would go, turkey leg, turkey leg, like this now. And there'd be grease going all over you and everything. It was chaos, like, you know what I mean? But you'd be queuing up to buy that stuff and the next thing you turned around and Chris Daniels would be there just getting a Coke and they just mixed with everyone. And after the shows, they came out and they mixed with everyone. Just walked around. I've pictured somewhere with Jeff Hardy and loads of these lads, Jay Lethal and stuff like that. Jay Lethal is the shyest guy you'll ever meet, believe it or not. Really? He is the shyest guy you will ever meet. 
the number of times I've met Jay Lethal and you ask him for a picture and he goes, oh, sure. He's real timid and laid back and stuff like that. And so, so shy and like doesn't believe his own stardom, if you like it, how good he is. And yet you see him then coming out doing that Ric Flair stuff and you go, oh, my God. Couldn't Black believe it. Or Black Machismo. Yeah, unbelievable, unbelievable. But he is so shy with fans; it's unbelievable. Maybe not so much now, but then when I was meeting him, like he was always like, kind of, yeah, no problem, man, you know, and kind of like, but he kind of like, you know, whereas you see him coming out with his elbow dropping the suit jacket, the flare, and everything, and you go, where was that guy an hour ago? Outside, we were chatting and all, you know what I mean? But yeah, absolutely, some fun. I had some great times in there, man, on that impact zone. We went loads of times. And that's quality, man. You know, but you mentioned another guy there that had a renaissance. Well, he, had a, he had a major downfall and then a renaissance. Jeff Hardy yeah. was another guy. Like, you know, him and his brother, you know. And, uh, the, like, there were, like, there was one point where the fight, like, Matt Hardy, broken Matt Hardy, was the biggest thing in professional wrestling. You know, there were, you heard them at WWE events. Delete, 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 delete. And you know, it was huge. Like, it was absolutely massive. People that didn't, I know, I know people that had a kind of passing interest in wrestling knew about that. They didn't know what the hell it was, but they, but they knew about it. And then, and, and then of course, WWE got the rubby hands on it and made shit of it because <laughs> they they wanted too much control of it. They wouldn't let you know, wouldn't let them run free and do it themselves. And uh, but those two guys, I, I know Jeff Hardy, had the the infamous Victory Road 08, I think was it, yeah. Victory Road 08 with Sting like that, and people. Go, you know, go on about that, and I can see why because yeah. it was a fucking disaster. Yeah. But I, he, only, he, uh, I only watched that video today of AJ Styles backstage berating him about it. <laughs> <laughs> but he, but he made a comeback again. You know what I mean? Yeah. He he came back from that too, and uh, and and made himself huge again. Him and his brother, the final deletion things, absolute genius. While it was hokey nonsense, mm. it was just they they just they they were so self aware with it. Yeah. And uh, they were allowed to run with it. They didn't try to take it seriously, like Vanguard One and Senior Benjamin and all this kind of shit. And King Maxwell, like it was just, <laughs> just nonsense. Yeah. But you know, like if you just turned your brain off for a while and yeah. just sat by, you went, God, this like this is why I love pro wrestling. You just don't know yeah. what you're going to get sometimes. You know, it's yeah, just yeah. utter nonsense or. You know, yeah. fantastic. I remember, yeah. I remember the kid coming out with the same ring gear and ring jacket as the dad. <laughs> it was just so like it was kind of cool, even though it was kind of hokey and stuff like that. But it was kind of just, it was just fun. You know what I mean? That my, my, my overall memory of TNA, I had so much fun there. I had so much fun watching it. It just, it made me smile. You know what I mean? There's rarely I watched a pay per view where I said. That was terrible. And again, I'm talking pre-Hogan Bischoff times here. You know what I mean? I'm talking about when, you know, when we spoke off air beforehand about, like, you know, those those triple threat matches with, you know, AJ Styles, who to me is Mr. TNA, but it was shut up. AJ Styles, Chris Daniels, Samoa Joe. If, if any of our viewers have not watched those matches, I think there was a trilogy of them. Good Lord, it's Wrestling 101. Yeah, no, they're spectacular. You know, they, when you like, they're three fantastic individuals, and they just worked so so well together. Or even that, um, those matches between Angle and Samoa Joe, like I think there was one at a lockdown, and um, and it's Angle is dressed. He's he's only wearing a pair of shorts, yeah, and he has his feet taped up. Like that's some match. 
and they don't use the they don't use the cage for like eight minutes or something. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? That was what they did. It was like MMA rules or something like that, wasn't there? Oh yeah, it was. It was like, like a proper fight. Yeah, yeah, they bet yeah. the shit out of them. It was yeah, amazing. Absolutely. You know, there's a lot of really good stuff. Like, and I I spoke to you before about one of my favorite. Uh, commentary teams of all time is Don West and Mike Tanay. I thought they were I thought they were phenomenal together. You know, yeah. you Don West losing the run of himself, yeah. and then Tanay, who was you know a lot more down to earth. Yeah, almost Rail, to, rails him back in a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I'm like yeah. Don West, you'd swear his head was going to explode every time yeah. he was there. Like he used yeah. to go mental. But I love that dynamic between the pair of them. I thought they. Yeah. You get it, you get it on YouTube if you look up those Don West. Oh my God, moments. You know, where you just oh. go, oh my God. And like, you know, as, as we spoke off here, Elix Skipper going across the top of the cage for the Hurricane or Jeff Hardy coming off the top of the cage onto Raven at lockdown through about, I don't know how many tables they had stacked up at this stage, but there was like definitely more than four anyway. And even, um, I remember at that, that event as well, you had AJ Styles versus Abyss in a cage match and Abyss took AJ's head off, remember with the cage door, before they even went in. I've never seen a bump like it. He just, I thought AJ was decapitated. But it was just in so many moments in there. It's unbelievable, you know. And, and they always, do, do you know what I kind of miss a bit in wrestling? And, and like they, they're slowly getting back to that again. They used to send you home wanting more because they drop a bombshell at the end of the night that left you hanging for the next week. Um, and, and the commentators, as you said, Mike tonight, Don West, outstanding job. Like, you know, they were just real, real kind of old school way of doing it, you know, but really cool. I, I love those guys. I, and I still, to this day, love them. when I watch back on old shows and just hear the two of them, I'm just like, ah, yes. Yeah, they made a headlock sound like a hurricane off the top of the cage or something, you know what I mean? Oh, like yeah. When you whack a headlock on, like, Don West would go, ah, and he's like, you know, you'd be there going, hang on, save that for the big bit in the match and stuff like that. You're killing me already, you know. But yeah, it was really cool, really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, there's like, there's plenty of other. Like, as I said, I'm just kind of screwing the names. Like, yeah. You look at like everyone talks about NXT and how magnificent NXT is, but you look at their champion, like, um, Carrion Cross, about to call him Killer Cross again. Yeah. He's another Impact guy, mm-hmm. you know that WWE went chasing, yeah. and Scarlett was there with him too. Um, and then there's. Uh, you know, Eli Drake, sorry, LA Knight, as he's called now. There's and Cameron Grimes, he was Trevor Lee. You know, there's a there's an awful lot of these guys, and, and and as I said earlier, Bobby Lashley, Drew McIntyre, the last two Raw champions. And in the, you know, there's an awful lot that WWE really need to, as you said, it would like they wouldn't mention them for years. Yeah. And uh, you, you know, you couldn't talk about them, and yet they were constantly stealing all their all their guys, like you know. Yeah, yeah. And you know, and then, and then, as as we said about stars, another thing about stars that they made, like if you look at the likes of Gail Kim and Awesome Kong, like Gail Kim, who was at WWE before she was at TNA, mm-hmm. like serious, seriously dropped the ball with her. I don't know what they were playing at because she went to TNA and became an absolute megastar. I think I think with Gail Kim, Gail Kim was so unlucky in her timing. Because her timing in WWE was kind of when they were going through a lot of that Davis rubbish kind of stuff, as opposed to what we have now. Like, can you imagine Gail came in there now having matches with Charlotte Flair, both in their prime, let's say, or Gail came having matches with Becky Lynch and stuff like that now, you know? That would be outstanding because Gail came, the problem for Gail came is she was such a good wrestler and such a good performer, but she stuck out for the wrong reason in that period, if you like. 
you know. Yeah, she was she was a wrestler in a in a model's world. Yeah, Victoria was kind of the same. Tara, she was kind of the same. She was such a great performer and stuff like that. Such a great wrestler. But that kind of at that time, that's not really what they were looking for. This is the timing they were they were doing gravy bowl matches and all this kind of junk. You know what I mean? But imagine those in their prime. Imagine Victoria in her prime now when they're against a Charlotte or a, a Becky Lynch or a Sasha Banks. Imagine Gaia Kim versus Sasha Banks. Incredible. You know what I mean? Like, um, so yeah, so to me it was just a timing thing. But then they went over there and their women's division was on. And even when they had, even when they had, like, you know, we touched on the beautiful people before we came on, Velvet Sky, Angelina Love, Madison Rain, all them. Even though they were beautiful women and they dressed that way and stuff like that, they could all wrestle. They could really put it out there, you know what I mean? And, and often did, you know. And it was just awesome. I think there was one, they had um, they had one match, I think it was a, it was a, it was a six, six women it was. And I think it was the beautiful people versus Trey and the other side. And I think Velvet Sky, she got her nose broke or something like that. The next week she was on TNA and she two black eyes and all on the back. So they were, you know, they were putting it out there. You know what I mean? It was really, really impressive at the time. And they, they, they took women's wrestling a lot more seriously than WWE did for years. Yeah, yeah. WWE were way, way behind. Like I know, uh, what was it, Natalia and who was it, had a match there in Saudi Arabia a couple of years ago. Who was that? Oh, was this where they had to dress up? It was Bailey, was it? Or was, was it Lacey no, Evans? Was it, was it Lacey Evans or was it Sasha? One of them had to, they were dressed up with, they nearly in the burkas, weren't they? They had t-shirts on. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. But like, yeah. But, but TNA had a match in the Middle East, long women's matches in the Middle East long before that. Mm. You know, and WWE were talking about how, oh, this first women's match in the, in the Middle East, like, nah, you're way behind that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, but yeah. we all know WWE likes to rewrite history anyway. But um, like just when we were talking about, like we talked about series of matches and stuff like that, about you know Styles, Joe, and Daniels. If you want to see any, if you want to see some really good matches, any Gail Kim Awesome Kong match, um, like they were so good together. They they put on some serious serious matches together. They were fantastic, you know. And then you look on the other side of uh, women that they that had a renaissance there, like Mickey James. Came back like after I think it was after the Piggy James thing that she went, was it? Yeah. And you know, they, and then she went there and they took her seriously, <laughs> and uh, you know, made her a champ and stuff again. Like put her back in the outstanding. Yeah. outstanding. And oh, Anne has just gone back and still outstanding. Yeah, yeah. Well, she, I think she signed with Power. Mm. Uh, sorry, with NWA. Yeah. yeah, but I think she came. Did she come out on? I think she appeared. She on came, came out of Slammiversary, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. Uh, challenged. Uh, Absolutely outstanding. A woman who should certainly not be sitting at home. Absolutely outstanding. She's phenomenal and always has been. And uh, you know, she she came out to challenge uh, Diana Peraza, who's the current Impact Champion, uh, to um, a match at the next NWA uh, pay per view. I think so. You know, like there, there's a lot of that happening again with uh, with Impact. There, there, you know, the hand has been extended out to all these other promotions, and uh, I don't think it's a bad thing. I know some people uh, don't agree with it, but um, there's going to be, I'm, I'm sure, there'll be some kind of super show at some stage because. New Japan are involved because Jay White turned up at Slammiversary. And yeah. um, the, there's, uh, you know, well, as we know, Kenny Omega is holding a lot of the gold at the minute and the Good Brothers and stuff like that. So there's, there's a lot of interweaving going on between the two. Thunder Rose was at Slammiversary as well, actually. Mm. She actually took on uh, Diana Brazzo that night. Mm. So um, there's another one, actually, that uh, has made a, a, a kind of remade herself in Impact. 
because WWE just didn't use her. I think she was in NXT for a while, didn't use her, and then jettisoned her, and she's become absolutely uh, become absolutely fantastic at Impact. And people have uh, seen how good she actually could be, you know. Yeah. But you know, as I said, there's loads you could look, you could go through and kind of say just how did you drop them all on that? Like EC3, he was huge yeah. in TNA. Now, granted, it was at a period in TNA when TNA wasn't great. I will give you that. But he had everything that Vince McMahon would would be looking for in a fella. You know, he had plenty of charisma, looked a million million dollars, and um, and 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 he could and he could talk. And he could wrestle, and they just did nothing with him. They did in NXT. Yeah. He was really good in NXT, but then he got called up. He was just sitting in the back drinking from paper cups and or plastic cups or whatever. Like, yeah. It was just it was a, it was a nonsense what they did with him. Because yeah. I like I know that WWE made a big move for Moose there, in the in, uh, recently, and he wouldn't go. And it's not the first time they made a move for him and he wouldn't go. So um, I I don't know. Maybe he's looked at these guys and said, I don't want to be one of them. <laughs> like I'd rather be. A big fish in a smaller pond than than a small than get lost in that uh, fucking ocean that they have in WWE. I don't know because he is fucking awesome, Moose, and he's destined, surely destined for massive, massive things. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, some of the names, some of the names I look back at. I mean, I I'd be I would have been a big fan of the American Wolf, so I was a huge Davy Richards fan at the time. I remember I was over at Mania twenty five and I watched Davy Richards versus Kenta. I think it was a Ring of Honor Take No Prisoner show. And uh, yes, yeah, it was unbelievable. I was always a huge David Richards and Eddie Edwards fan, you know. So where's, Wolves, where's, Jay, where's Jay when you need him to do the hell? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but the Wolves were always awesome, you know. But I remember, I go back as far as even, um, I don't know if you remember Team Canada. Would you remember Team Canada? Of course Canada? I do, yeah, yeah. Bobby Roode, Petey Williams, Lance Hoyt. Remember Lance Hoyt? What a, how big was Lance Hoyt? And obviously well, Scott Demore. Well, he's Lance Archer now. Like, yeah. The same. yeah, yeah, yeah. But remember and how it, big he was in there because real and was, Eric real Eric was, Young was there too. Eric he? Young as well. But I, I remember I remember they had a match, um, and I think it, it might have been either a tag match or a singles match. I'm not too sure. And I remember Team Canada ran out to make the save or whatever it was or interrupt the match, whatever it is. And I think it was the first time I seen Petey Williams hit a Canadian destroyer, and I went, "Oh my god." What was that? <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. he hit it, and I was going, Jesus Christ. You know what I mean? I couldn't believe it, you know? And then I remember then the way, like, Team Canada obviously went away, and Bobby did his thing, and all this kind of thing. Eric Young, of course, did his thing. I love Eric Young. He's just amazing. So good. He would, good. Like, how they dropped the ball with him. There's another guy that dropped the ball with him. They had him. Uh, they had, uh, what was the name of the group he was with? With Killian Dane. And- Sanity. Sanity, that was it, yeah. you know, and, and they came in, you know, from NXT with all these glitz and glamour and then did nothing with them. They lost all the time. They broke them up. And it's just, what? Like, what? Uh, I, don't know. Like, I sometimes wonder, like, with WWE creative, like, do they watch NXT? Do they know what's happening down there? Or do they just hear names and then just drag them up and don't know what to do with them? I, I think they're trying to figure out what's really cool in NXT how does it transcend up onto a SmackDown and a Raw? And sometimes they knock it out of the park. And sometimes they get it so, so wrong. But I think of Eric Young and like the dynamic of Eric Young in terms of what he could do from a character point of view. It's kind of sometimes when we talk about Bray Wyatt and we think about the amount of stuff they fling at him and he still tries to make good on it. But when I think of Eric Young, like 
you know, I remember he was doing all that other stuff as well. And then at one stage he was, at one stage, wasn't he the angel for Orlando Jordan? Remember that stuff and all? He used to wear the white wings and stuff like that. And I was there going, it's an absolute disgrace to get that guy to do that. And then I was thinking, he's probably lapping it up. He doesn't care. Like, you know I mean? He's just I don't, just, because, but don't forget, he was a comedy wrestler for quite a while too. Absolutely, like, yeah. And uh, then it was it was years after that they became a, pro, a, yeah. a more serious. Sure, he wasn't he knockouts tag team champion with the yeah, ODB yeah. at one stage yeah, yeah, as well. Yeah. Like, remember, <laughs> remember he used to come out and he did a little pop boy facials. Remember he got and all this kind of stuff. He was deadly. Like I loved him. And then I remember, remember Petey Williams went off for a while and then he came back as little, little Petey Pump or something Little, like little Petey Pump. With Scott Steiner. And he was shredded to the gills and remember he had the little chain thing on and everything and all and he sure he had the goatee and all he had the goatee the whole lot he knocked it out of the park and he used to walk out with Steiner and Steiner was like he used to wear like that little uh, like this little Roman ring gear that they used to wear then and all that kind of stuff I was there I was looking at and he'd walk out with Steiner because Steiner's a monster you know to make compared to Petey Williams and like I just thought it was gas like you know and you can't you can't mention Little Petey Pump and Big Papa Pump Scott Steiner, and not mention that infamous Matt's promo. Like, just it is so like it's batshit insane, but Scott Steiner is batshit insane. But it's so good, and the numbers now actually add up. Now, because he said because it's percentages, it doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. But the numbers themselves actually do add up, and uh, but it's just it's a pure nonsense promo, and it's gonna and and you see Petey standing there, and he's just like. You know, he's real confused about what he's saying because it's, it's it's madness, like. But it's so so good, like. And that was one thing. Just speaking of that now, that was one thing I always thought TNA did really well was their backstage segments. Uh, I always thought they did that a lot better than WWE, where yeah. Um, whereas in TNA, the camera would be sneaking around the corner and stuff of this to catch people. Whereas in yeah. WWE, they just pretend it wasn't there. Yeah. You know, when something yeah. going remember, on backstage. Remember when the Motor City Machine Guns did all that? Remember. Um, What's his name? He, he did the paparazzi stuff with Kevin Nash. Remember they'd be going around with the camera film and stuff and all that. Remember that crazy stuff they did when they... I, I, don't, I don't remember that perfectly. It was Chris, Chris Saban got injured. And right. who's the other guy again? I can't Alex remember. Shelley. Alex Shelley. Alec, Chris Saban got injured as far as I know. And Alex Shelley was on his own and they put him with Kevin Nash. And he was going around with the with the paparazzi camera. Remember, they were doing the paparazzi stuff. It was hilarious. And they'd be going around. They'd be following. They'd be going to wrestlers' houses and all and stuff like that. I remember did they do one? I think they did one where they followed Kurt Angle to his house and all, and filmed them going into his house and everything and all. It was crazy stuff they did, mad. But I always remember with their stuff, it was so rough cut as well because like you'd be looking at two people and you'd be filming it, but the two guys would be down the end of the corner chatting about the situation and stuff like that. So it was real kind of on the fly kind of stuff. So it was pretty cool, like and yeah, groundbreaking and, and, for its time, like yeah, yeah, and a lot and a lot of things like um, they'd be coming up, they'd uh, approach a wrestler who just had a match. Yeah. And they come up behind him, and you'd barely hear the guy behind the camera asking the question. Yeah, you know, and I, I always, I always thought it was far more authentic yeah. than you know what WWE have always done, where people just pretend the camera's not there and yeah. chat about what, what's happening, like you know. Yeah. But uh, I, I used to love as well before the lads would go out through the tunnel. They used to catch them at the bottom of the stairs and go, well, what do you think and stuff like that? I get a kind of a comment before they'd go out to the match, which I thought was really, really cool. Yeah, you'd hear the music going on in the background. Yeah, they'd, yeah. Be, they'd be having their little piece before they're yeah, on out. Like, yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, it'd be really cool. And I always remember, like, even even the steps up to those tunnels, it was so 
cheap and cheesy. It was like a backstage rotten scene. And then you go out and across the tunnel would look like it's lit up like Battlestar Galactica. You know what I mean? But behind it all, it was just a big dirty curtain and a little steps up to it and stuff like that. And all, you know? But it was really, really cool. I remember that stuff. Yeah, it was awesome. Like, and then, that was fucking fantastic. You know, yeah. they, They've done a lot right over the years. They get yeah. a lot of shit and a lot of people focus on a lot of the crap that happened that's happened there. But they, they've done a lot of good stuff over the years. They really have. And as, as we've named like a few a few of the names there, you know, they what I, I, I know a lot of them would have made a name for themselves anyway, because they were too they were too good not to. But um it was it was a great place for people to have a job even, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, and this yeah. crap of people saying, Well, I wish they'd just fucking close down their shit and go away and all this kind of crap. And there's like how many wrestlers wouldn't have a job? And not just wrestlers, producers, you know, um, trainers, camera people and all this that well, wouldn't see, have a job. That's what people don't realise when they say these things. You're dealing with people's livelihoods here, you know what I mean? You're not, you're, it, it's not just your wrestling fandom where you say, this is shit, this is good, I'm a WWE guy and that's it and stuff like that. These are people's lives that you're, you know, you're, you're, you're spinning the roulette wheel on and stuff like that, you know what I mean? So, yeah, and you know, if, if it did shut down, Look at all those guys that we may not have got. You know what I mean? Like, like, you know, I'm going way back in time now. I remember when Chris Harris was a big deal in America's Most Wanted. They were an oh, awesome, was huge. awesome tag team. And then went up to WWE and was absolutely crapped on. Now, again, didn't do himself any, himself any favours either when he got there as well. Let, let himself go. Yeah, he was on a lot of weight. That's and he was, advised, he was advised by the office to, you know, book up a bit and didn't necessarily book up. And then, I remember the last thing I seen of him was a, was a Matt Hardy was taking the piss out of him on a backstage segment or something like that, and that was the end of him and stuff like that. But he was awesome in America's Most Wanted in that tag team. They were cool, and they were real cool. Like you know, these two cowboy boys. It was awesome, like you know. And yeah, that was that, that was an amazing tag. And then of course, beer money as well was yeah. just because James because James Storms and both teams and yeah, and uh, th- th- that was another fantastic really tag team. Then you had LAX as well. Yeah. Unreal idea, yeah. and then Conan was their was their manager. Like yeah. they, they had some unbelievable matches. Like yeah. you know, like Hernandez was. You know, they had homicide hit that, that gringo killer. Yeah, well, Hom- homicide is unbelievable. If you if you want to see if you want to see how good homicide is, forget about even TNA. Go look at the Ring of Honor stuff where they used to do those bar fights or something. I think he had a bar fight one time with Punk in Ring of Honor or something like that, and they bet the pants out of each other. It looked like a like a bar and a strip club and stuff like that. But Homicide is an exceptional wrestler. And then Hernandez, for a guy of his side, have you ever seen a guy do a dive over a top rope like Hernandez? Good Lord. This guy is a monster. You know what yeah, I mean? And then, and then the, the way he used to fire some of the lads from the border toss as well, like yeah. just, you know, you're like, he's going to kill him. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> the amount of times I just went, oh, he's dead. Because <laughs> he used to launch some lads. Yeah. And, uh, I, I thought, were, and I thought they were brilliant as well, that Latin American exchange, because they really did bring that Latin flavor to it, you know, because obviously Conan in there, of course, and then, you know, you had Homicide, who was all in, and, and Hernandez, and they were just awesome, you know. Not dissimilar to when we got the Tree Life crew, when we got BG, Kip, and, and, and Ron Killens. Remember, they used to do the Tree Life crew and stuff like that. I think they feuded for a while as well, if I'm not mistaken, Tree Life crew and LAX and stuff like that. They may have a think, but they were awesome. Like, Ron Killens and that Tree Life crew was absolutely cool, you know what I mean? I always thought, I always thought like, Billy Gunn, he kind of always felt a little bit out of place because Ron Killens was kind of this sort of hip-hop dancer type guy, you know what I mean? And BG, of course, and our, um, 
road dog, he could do like anything really, you know what I mean? He was he was loose as a cannon as well, really, you know. But Billy Gunn was always there and he was a big deal, so it always seemed a little bit weird that he was there. But again, yeah, and he was he was he was always a bit of a straight guy himself, anyway, you know what I mean? Like even in the new age outlaws, like all he said was suck it at the end of it, like you know, it was yeah. all old yeah. dog doing all the nonsense, yeah. all the mad stuff. Yeah. You know, he was always a bit of a straight man. And uh, so I can imagine, I can imagine, you can, you can easily see how he'd stick out in that, yeah. in that crew and right, you know. Yeah, um, you know, there's, there's, I'm sure, like, as I said, of so many, oh, another one that WWE what, probably would have shit themselves. Once again, if TNA were a genuine, um, genuine um, commercial threat, but unfortunately they never were, they were never big enough. But uh, someone they dropped the ball on, Bully Ray. He was so, so good at TNA. And, um, you know, because when WWE did split up the Dudleys, they did not, like, Bubba Ray kept his, kept his gimmick. Mm. Uh, Devon ended up with that reverend gimmick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Although it did introduce Batista to the world. Yeah, Deacon Batista. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It did do, it did do some good. You know, they completely dropped, they they didn't know what to do with them. They split them up for no good reason. And then for TNA, when they split them up, they did it properly. Like, yeah, and yeah. Bully Ray was a huge, huge fucking star. Yeah. And, and really showed what he could have done in WWE if he was given a chance. But that, that, that's one that, another thing I think that TNA um, are, are, are quite good for is, is they, gave, they seem to give the wrestlers a lot more freedom mm. to do, you know, to do stuff themselves or come up with ideas anyway. Because I can't imagine. Um, TNA saw, you know, kind of went, oh, we saw what Bully Ray, what Bully Ray did on his own in WWE. We can strap the title on him. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so he must have come to them and said, look, I have a few ideas. And they like, and, the, and, and, and uh, they decided to run with them. And the same with Matt Hardy. I mean, he was given pretty much full control over the broken Matt Hardy thing. Yeah. You know, so they, they seem to be a bit more laid back about letting be a bit more creative letting the wrestlers be a bit more creative than WWE WWE is a lot a lot more regimented but a lot of guys see I think a lot of guys get uh, not not just guys but a lot of girls too they get lost in that shuffle they kind of get forgotten about and because uh, I don't think WWE they probably don't allow them to approach creative maybe or something I don't know yeah, it just I seems think, to be a lot of. I, I think at the time they were going through a weird period as well because this week's star became next week's opener, and it was, mm. there was kind of a lot of confusion at that time going through and stuff like that. So they they were kind of strangled a little bit. Um, but I just think I just think once they went into TNA, I mean Booker T is a great example. Booker T was absolutely crowbarred out the door. WWE. I was at SummerSlam when Triple H made a show. It was absolutely disgusting, and um, and I'd be a Triple H fan, but that that was just ridiculous. And that that whole thing with Triple H and Booker T was a disgrace. Yeah, it was terrible what they did. But they got mania were... before that as well, when it took him what twenty something seconds to crawl over to him and mm. put a hand on him. To, oh, ah, yeah. disgusting. But Sorry, then, I, but then when he went into TNA, you see, you see as good a Booker T as you're gonna get. Like this is a guy who went in and he was revitalizing himself. I'm gonna show them over there in Connecticut. This is what I can do and stuff like that. And he was absolutely unbelievable at TNA. Some of the matches he had there was incredible. Oh yeah, he was he was brilliant at TNA. And like another guy that was brilliant there was Kurt Angle. People forget how many good years he had there and how many good matches he had. And Sting as well was another one that was there for years before he went to eventually went to WWE, you know. And then 
people don't realize that they did an awful lot of good stuff while they were there. Yeah. Uh, granted, that uh, especially Sting was involved in some shit. Like wasn't he so in some kind of coffin match or something that was a disaster? <laughs> you know? Yeah, kind of. Sting was kind of a weird one, wasn't it? Because it was kind of like he was there, but they were trying to figure out constantly what to do and you know kind of where he fitted in at times and stuff like that you know but with angle i remember remember the what was it the moonsault off the top of the cage good against jarrett oh good lord unbelievable and it's such a thing like it's it's such a thing of beauty and the way they caught it as well yeah they caught it from above oh, and he's just he's just saying that's one thing i actually wanted to point out actually tna's camera work was exceptional in terms of bringing you right into the ring and into the action. It was like nearly, you know, using this kind of drone footage and stuff like that. You really felt at times like you were in the ring. And especially for some of those matches like those Ultimate X matches and, you know, those kind of things, you were right on the action at times. And they always had the playbacks as well. So when a guy was coming off the top of the cage or a guy was, you know, coming off the top of a scaffold or something like that, you were, you could actually, they always had the replay where you could see the, the view of the wrestler nearly like it was nearly a GoPro, and you could go, Jesus Christ, how did you survive that if he's fallen from that height? Like, you know, what I, mean? yeah, well, I suppose the advantage they had, uh, and is that it was in a studio, it was filmed in a studio, yeah, you know. So, I'd say that's the, that's the advantage they had, and they took advantage of it, yeah, as you said, and they have these unbelievable crane shots and all this kind of crack, yeah. And it was, it was, you know, it was really, really well done, yeah. I used to remember when I was there, if I was at any of the shows, they had guys who were sitting in things. They were like little, um, like the speeder bikes out of Star Wars. And they controlled the cranes from them with the cameras and stuff like that. And you should see the way they used to swing them around and maneuver and stuff like that. At the end of a pay-per-view, the guys would be standing there. They would be dripping from the work that they did. Absolutely drenched from the work that they put in. Cameramen. So shout out to those cameramen back in the day from TNA. They were absolutely on the money every single time. Um, any anyone else crops up? Obviously, Austin Aries. We'd have to mention Austin Aries. Well, yeah. Well, Austin Aries. Yeah, sure. Um, they made they made him a star, and then yeah. he kind of went off and fell out with everybody because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, he's, he's <laughs> he seems to be a notoriously dislikable yeah. fella. Because when when he did when when he went to WWE and made a name for himself again, I think him and uh, wasn't it Neville had a. We're, we're fighting over the over the uh, cruiserweight title, which yeah. was brilliant. Yeah. And then um, he left and came back to Impact. They uh, made him a star again, and then he lost to John Morrison through a hissy fit. And yeah. Didn't didn't sell the finish, you know. I mean, because yeah. like, he was the belt collector, he left WWE, winning belts left, right, center, yeah. and then he lost them all pretty much overnight. Like because uh, he <laughs> just fell, he seemed to fall out with everyone. Yeah, he fell and out with all the promotions and stuff like that. Yeah, he seems to be in limbo now. I don't yeah. hear, hear him at all, like you know, because he just he seems to be notoriteously dislikable. Yeah, I, uh, I, but like, but Jesus Christ, could he go and ring the yeah, fuck? Absolutely, out? and look the business for a smaller guy. Absolutely, look the business. I could hang with anyone. A, a nice little story, actually. I went to see NXT in the Tree Arena one time, and he had a match with a, a guy who appeared on Slammiversary. No way, Jose. And I was a big fan. I thought no way, Jose was just cool. I just loved it because it just cheered me up, made me laugh and got me out of my seat. And I love that kind of stuff, you know. But Austin Aries was just having a match with him. And Austin Aries, of course, always plays the kind of heel and stuff like that. And he always, you know, he always looks like he has an axe to grind, basically, you know. So he was in the ring with No Way Jose at the NXT show. And No Way Jose's music kind of hits, you know. 
and no way Jose, of course, is doing his thing. No way Jose working the crowd and stuff like that. And Austin Aries is standing at the ropes like this, doing nothing, you know, just working the crowd. And the next thing, Austin Aries' legs starts dancing. One leg starts dancing, the other leg starts dancing. And the next thing, it's going right up through his body, you know, like what you'd see with Dusty Rhodes or something like that. And the next thing, Austin Aries is going around the ring with No Way Jose, and the two of them are dancing. Next thing, he upends No Way Jose, as you do. It was absolutely brilliant. And the crowd just went, it was just unbelievable. And he's I, I know, not sure I was there myself. It was yeah, a brilliant, yeah. and it was just, I remember just his one leg was going and then it was going up through him and he was getting into it and stuff like that. But it was absolutely, I thought I'd mention it because I know no way Jose was, I think he appeared at Slammiversary the other night as well. He did, yeah, yeah. As no way. There's no way, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, but, things would uh, fall apart. I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but it, it was just it was just a cool thing, little story on us. And but Bobby Roo turned up at that show as well, and I don't think anyone knew that he had signed with WWE before that. Because yeah. yeah. I remember when he came out, I went, I didn't realize WWE had Bobby Roode. Yeah. You know, because he had no music or anywhere. He didn't have his glory. He didn't have his glorious yeah. music time anyway. Yeah. And uh, I because I, I, I was just like, I don't remember hearing that he signed with WWE, but yeah. He was there anyway. Yeah, did he have who did he have a match with? Did he have a match with Seamus or something? Did he or did he have a match with uh he had a match with Shinsuke, did he? That's who he had a that show, was it? That was yeah. awesome. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The NXT show was brilliant. Oh yeah, yeah. Sure, the, sure the main event was Joe Ballard. Like, how could you go wrong? Yeah, <laughs> it was fucking deadly. Yeah. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> and that yeah. that that Samoa Joe Ballard match was quality. Yeah. And Joe was playing it up big time to the crowd. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. was loving that. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. loving it. Yeah. Sure remember, he blowing kisses at fans and stuff. Yeah, and I remember I remember a tricolor got launched a few times as well, didn't it? So yeah. that or was he using the tricolor as a weapon? He was choking baller out at one stage with the tricolor and everything. That's right. It was yeah, yeah, so yeah. cool. Like, you know <laughs> what I mean? That's the thing about Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe at times he could switch off to the business and it's quite dull and it's it's a serious come down. But if you put Samoa Joe in there with a baller or a really good wrestler and you excite him about a storyline, creativity and stuff like that. Joe was awesome. Unfortunately, his body's breaking down on him now. Like, yeah. But like as you said, you go back to the TNA days when he's fighting Styles and Daniels, Angle, and all these guys. Fucking hell, the matches were so good. Yeah. Really like, yeah. top-notch. And he was at the top of his game too. Yeah. And uh, they, they, and he was stiff as fuck too. Like <laughs> those, those face washes. Good lord. Good lord. No, no, he was he was an absolute machine back then. He really was an absolute animal. I, I, I honestly don't know how a wrestler lies down in the corner like that and lets a guy come full force at him with a foot to give you a face wash. It's unbelievable. No, he's quality, all right. No, yeah. He's awesome. Yeah, I suppose, I suppose in touching with the talent and stuff like that, we'd have to mention the dynamic of the different matches and the stuff that they came up with, like lockdown all six sides of steel and stuff like that. I mean, the six-sided ring for starters, which was kind of really, really cool and innovative. And I know I know, Billy Gunn did an interview one time, a shooting interview, and he was saying he found it really hard to adjust with because I think it was a step or two less when you're running the ropes because it's a, it's a shorter ring, if you like, in terms of those runs. So he said at times he found it hard to adjust to that. But it was a, it was a cool concept, and it allowed these guys to really get innovation into their game and into their moveset and stuff like that by using all these different sides and stuff like that and all. Um, you know, it was, it, was, it was just something different. It was a different aesthetic, a different feel mm. that made them kind of stand out and made them, you know, that little yeah. bit different. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think Billy Gunn was the only one. I think I've heard a few interviews where people were like, that six-sided ring was just a, yeah. you know, was a nightmare to get used to. But once yeah. they did, like, it was, yeah. 
Matt, were Morgan, sound Matt Morgan would be another one, the blueprint, Matt Morgan. Yeah. I mean, he'd be another one that only needs to take two steps to go across that ring. You know, he's so big. But again, he would have had a difficulty adjusting to it. But that, that six-sided ring really suited Monty Brown with the pounce. Because oh he could come from any place. angle he wanted. Like, <laughs> Remember the times he used to hit them and they'd nearly go outside the ring and stuff like that. But that was a serious move as well. The impact of that was... But see, that, like, but it, it was all due to the man himself. You could give that move to a hundred other guys and it wouldn't be as good. But the fact that he was a former NFL yeah. guy and he used to hammer people when he hit them. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, no, when, you really were getting, when you were getting hit with that, it was car wreck time. That was a car it's, wreck. It's like, yeah, it's like Rhino hitting the gore. It doesn't matter what you want to do, yeah. you're getting smashed, and that's that. Like, you know, yeah, absolutely. And <laughs> um, what about some of the other con- concepts? I mean, we mentioned obviously the X division, which was very innovative at the time, and obviously the King of the King of the Mountain, which was awesome as well. I mean, we we haven't really touched even enough yet on Jeff Jarrett. Like when you think about him, like. Uh, some of the stuff that he did there and all you know and then I'm thinking then, then they had the King of the Mountain Championship for a while that was basically yeah. the Intercontinental Championship. Yeah. You know, which is and it was I thought I thought that was a great concept. Mm. And and you should the the ultimate X as well, which was like, there was some mad insane like, yeah. some people um, we talked about Christopher Daniels that's like near like, I, I was sure he was dead. Mm. You know, because he he just came the way he came down on his head mm. and the, you see the ref just dive straight down to talk to him. Because I, I was sure he was a dead man. I, I think he, he got up and continued. I don't know how he did. Like Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah, I, I, I remember that sort of X that that X scaffold match that we spoke about beforehand. And mm. I think it it came down. I think it was Rhino and AJ Styles. And I remember this was way up there. Now I'm talking way up there. Um, and I remember AJ was standing in the kind of the middle of the X, if you like. And Rhino ran and spared him full force, like that high up. And to be that controlled. And I remember, if anyone wants to have a look at an inside-out bump off a scaffold, take a look at AJ. He's hanging from this scaffold. And the next thing, he does that flip bump down onto the ring. The length that he fell is just... That back bump must have been unbelievable, you know? Um, no, no, sure, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure that's a gif as well. It's everywhere, that bump. Yeah, yeah. It was huge. It's scary, you know? <laughs> yeah, what, what about... Um, I mean, obviously the monster's ball with Abyss. I mean, we haven't mentioned Abyss either yet. He was, he was a guy who, you know, would have been perfectly suited to WWE. You know what I mean? This guy was an absolute monster. But again, he was a guy who could go for a big man as well. You know what I mean? He, he, he was he he gave blood, sweat, and tears for that company. He really did. He put himself through the fucking ringer for them. And um, I don't think he's appreciated enough, to be honest. Because as you said, he's a proper monster. Yeah. And um, I, I and and he was even. I thought he. I always. I always thought he was very good. And yeah. as you said, he could go to. Yeah, um, I think. I, nope. think a, I think a lot of people probably remember from the, the the bullshit Joe Park stuff during the Hogan era and stuff like that, which really didn't. You know what do you do? You, you sanitize Abyss. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you know there I mean? is there is that. Like, yeah. you know? but I, I thought Abyss was brilliant. Yeah, but WWE signed him when he was. You know, yeah. at the end of his career, like he's there. I think he's still there, isn't he? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, backstage doing something like you know. Yeah. But uh, some of the no, he was he was he was he was another that. like one that they built themselves, like you yeah. know, like yeah. that, uh, they brought up. Like he and was a, phenomenal. And a monster of a man. And I remember those monster ball matches. I mean, I think he had a couple of them with Raven, did he? Um, I he, he had a couple yeah. with loads of people. I think he had a couple with Mick Foley too. Yeah, but those those ones. I always remember Raven as well being. 
you know, that quote to Raven Devermore and his music and the impact song was awesome. Like, you know, he'd, he'd still come down and sit down in the corner and stuff like that. It was such a dark character. But he was like, he was just awesome in there, Raven was, you know what I mean? When you think back to those times, you know? Um, what I mean, what else do we think about? I mean, when we think about TNA, I mean, I, like I look at the positives of it. And obviously, I think that, you know, Again, I would say pre and post Hogan Bischoff era and stuff like that. You could add Dixie in there if you want to, who's being ill boys stuff like that. But I think in, in, in that period to say 05, 06, 07, and maybe into 08, I'm not too sure on the years if I have to spot on or not. But you got great use of talent. You got dynamic booking and, um, you know, meaningful storylines and stuff like that. They didn't have to go on forever. But the way that they set them up and stuff like that, the way they used to end the shows by, you know, guys hitting the ring and leaving you hanging and stuff like that to tune in next week, you were always gagging for more and more TNA all the time. You know what I mean? But, yeah. um, and, and another thing, like I thought with TNA as well, in in the in the kind of similar vein to WCW, is um, a lot of the time the main event scene was not what people were tuning in for. Mm. You know, because you, you had the likes of Jarrett and Sting and. And a few other guys, like Jarrett dominated the main event scene for a long time. Yeah. But like, but people were tuning in to watch AJ Styles, Christopher Daniels, Samoa yeah. Joe, mm. Eric Young, you know, yeah. they, that's what they were tuning in yeah. for. And as I said, sure WCW were the same cruiserweights. A lot of people were, the main event scene was a bit old, a bit slow. Mm. Um, now they still put on good matches, don't, don't get me wrong, in both. Yeah. Like, but, um, the, but people were tuning in for the, the, the quote unquote lower card. Yeah. And, uh, the, the, and, and, uh, so I, I think TNA in that mold, WCW, that's what people were tuning in for. Yeah. And they stuck around then for the rest of it. Yes. But, uh, when you talk... Certainly it was your tag division and stuff like that. Tag division, X division, and the women's division were, were the key factors of it. And then up here at the higher echelon over here, you kind of had Jarrett with the belt and stuff like that. And he... I won't say he monopolised the belt a lot, but he was the guy to carry the belt because at times that seemed to be the best option, if you like, um, but not necessarily the most interesting. Um, I remember there was a time, I think Raven won the belt off him up in Canada or something like that. And I think even before he got back to TV to do a taping, he had already dropped the belt back to Jared, I think on a house show or something like that. Just just peculiar type of booking at times in, in that upper belt if you like yeah, yeah, but then yeah. when you looked at X Division and you looked at the tag and you looked at the women's the booking there at times was absolutely pristine and they were drenched in talent in those divisions oh yeah 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 absolutely man Jesus as I said, as I said the, you, know, you were you were tuning in for the other stuff rather than the, the main event stuff and then as you said when you when you had the Hogan Bischoff era when as you, as you said that Dixie Carter who had the money and was a fan was mm. You know, and I agree with you. I think she was taken advantage of by these big names that uh, said, "Look, we can turn this around for you." And like, the, the, and that decision to move to Monday night to rival WWE was absolute lunacy. I don't know. I don't know how anyone thought that was a good idea because they were never ever going to get anywhere close to them. You know, like even AEW wouldn't do it. Yeah, you know, a lot, a lot just, of stuff. A lot of stuff came out at that time. Even changing the ring. I mean, the, the six-sided ring was their signature thing. It's what made them stand out. It's what made a lot of that mid-card divisions really, really cool and innovative and what they could do and stuff like that. And then to just go back and go, right, we're going squared ring. And the, the theory behind that was they wanted to become more legitimate and more accepted in the rest of the community. They already had a niche market there to offer something different. They didn't have to offer TNA, WWE. They just had to offer... TNA with what it was doing, you know. Yeah, like, so, they were, yeah, exactly. It was kind of they, 
but under the Hogan Bischoff thing, it became it really became WWE light. You know, they they were they they seemed to be trying to emulate them, and yeah. I think I think it wasn't around that time you had that awful storyline with AJ Styles and that woman that was having his kid and all that kind of crap. Yeah, and stupid stuff. Yeah, it became yeah, the yeah. two boys came in and it nearly became the second coming of NWO kind of thing in terms of the control and the money and all that kind of stuff. But and it wasn't then, cool. And then, <laughs> and then obviously it changed in a financial direction because all of a sudden Dixie's dad and Panda Energy and all said, okay, you need to turn a profit now. We're sick of throwing this money in here. That was originally a tax write-off. And all of a sudden they had to stand up and be counted in terms of financials and in terms of ratings and stuff like that, which really put the pressure on them because originally it was kind of like a tax write-off kind of project and a bit of fun and stuff like that. But then they started changing the contracts, if you remember. They took a guy like AJ Styles and they absolutely lowballed him. And then they started saying, well, we're not paying for your rental car anymore. You have to book your own flight. You have to book your own hotel. And this is what you're being offered. And I remember, I remember looking at AJ Styles' offer of his contract at the time. It was absolutely disgusting. Like, you know what I mean? For a guy who was Mr. TNA, who had, you know, when AJ Styles talks about his house, that impact zone was AJ Styles' house. There's no doubt about it. You know what I mean? And, and that's I, it. And, and, other, and other people were after him. He wouldn't go. You know yeah. what I mean? He was, he was loyal to them. And then, as you said, then he got that lowball bullshit. Like, uh, sure, at one stage, I think um, towards the, the end of, that whole shit like there a few years back I think people were being offered a hundred dollars a match and stuff like that it was it got really bad lads you know? lads they started giving out then that like performers weren't showing up because performers turned around and said it was costing me money to go to work hmm. I think they even got to a stage where they were expecting the performers to pay for the car park I think at Universal when they drove a park to go into work they, they weren't even picking up the car park tab. That's how bad it got apparently. And then I remember, of course, AJ went off to New Japan and then the rest is history. I mean, the stuff he did there, good Lord. Not that we would have expected any different from AJ Styles, you know. And then I always remember at the time as well, because I had the shop, I always remember like TNA, they never did a great job of merchandise and yet they had these stars. Whereas WWE always pumped the merchandise, John Cena, all these guys, stuff like that. I was thinking, AJ Styles, as big a star as he is, they should be pumping merchandise. And they always it was always like a throwaway AJ Styles phenomenal t-shirt. They just throw one out there and they might change it every six months or something like that. But they were always so poor on merchandise, you know. And um, you know, and then they, they really then abandoned their principles, didn't they? It just it just became like a free-for-all, as we say, the you know, the um, the inmates started controlling the asylum and it just went crazy. Like, you know, you you got crazy things like I don't know, that main event mafia stuff and Oh, the main event mafia was cool for a while, yeah. But then, as you said, it got yeah. got a bit too got a bit too much. Yeah. They got started reading, re, probably reading their own press or something. They got yeah. a bit, the egos got got in the way and yeah. kind of fell to shit. Like, and then you kind of had AJ there as well. Remember when AJ was doing that kind of Ric Flair stuff, and he was coming yeah. out in those beige suits with the the collar out like boys on and all this kind of stuff in the shades. And, you know, it just got a little bit kind of like. Where's, two, got, where's yeah. 2005 to 2008? Where's where's the TNA that we loved and grew up on? If you like, yeah, I think I think the only thing, but the, the last cool thing I think they did before that period was probably Aces and Eights. Yeah, and yeah. then it was after that that it started to go downhill. Like mm. Aces and Eights, like the end of got too big and too many people got involved. Yeah, the storylines stopped making sense. Mm. But um, the, but like, geez, initially the Aces and Eights thing was fucking awesome. 
yeah, yeah. it was really, really good. And you didn't yeah. know who was in it yeah, and who yeah. wasn't. And then guys were taking a, taking yeah. a, a fucking jacket off and like, ah, it's an ex-tonight. Yeah. <laughs> it was fucking I, awesome. Like. I, I remember at the time as well, they were officially contacted by the Hells Angels. The Hells Angels weren't happy at all. They had had a word with them to say, cut it out and stuff like that. Because people got so invested in the time. And I think at the time as well in America, they were going through a lot of criminal series and stuff like that. And a lot of it, there was a lot of biker gang stuff going on and stuff at the time and stuff like that. It might have been even the spawning of Sons of Anarchy at the time and stuff, which was a huge show on telly and all. So this Ace is Nate. So I remember they were getting heat from the Hells Angels for a while as well. Yeah. I, did, I, did, I didn't Jimmy. know that. That's a really yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Apparently there was. There was proper heat there, apparently. Yeah. Because that was that was, a, that was a cool, that, as I said, I think that was the last cool thing they did. Yeah. Before they kind of took a nosedive for a few years. Yeah. But they're back now. And I, I, I'd encourage anyone to watch Impact. Because they are churning out some really, really good shit yeah. at the minute. Uh, once again, I'm with you on the merch team. We're still not doing that very well. No. Uh, I think they're, they're relying on pro wrestling tees to mm. do it for individually for each wrestler. Yeah. But um, like the, the, I would encourage anyone to watch them now. They're really putting out some really, really good stuff. And now that they're, they're, they're doing the whole um, thing with AEW and New Japan and all that and NWA, I think I think there's a really bright future for these guys, and not just them, but for I think yeah. all of them together. Like I'd love to see NWA become a, a proper, you know, uh, become uh, come back, make a comeback to, mm. to its former glory days. Yeah, because uh, it'd be fantastic. Because the, the the more places that these people can work, the better, as far as I'm concerned, and more variety, so you can jump around. Now I know that some people say, "Oh, but you can't watch it all." You don't have to. You know, just. You know, you'll find you'll always find one that you prefer, but there's no harm in throwing an eye on other other ones as well. You know. Yeah, I I often go back. I could be sitting here one day and I'm watching Money in the Bank, and the next thing I'll throw on NWA Power, or I'll go back and I'll look at a Midnight Express match or a Rock and Roll Express match, or I'll go back to TNA and I'll watch one of those lockdown matches, or I'll I'll go back and watch that. You know, I would encourage anyone listening to this go back and even look at. Joe versus AJ versus Chris Daniels in those triple threat matches, the trilogy that they had. Just go watch it. Go watch it, you know, and even even go back, even if you want to go in even into ROH and look at Joe versus Punk and stuff like that and the, the matches that they had. Absolutely outstanding and stand up to this day in terms of quality. If you park your love of kind of the glitz and the glamour and the cinematography and all that kind of stuff, just go in and you want to enjoy a wrestling match that's put together, that's fine-tuned like an orchestra. Go watch those matches. Absolutely incredible. Um, but yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure. We've we've finally cracked and we, we've done a TNA episode and it could only be me and you um, because if there's no... The other reason, lads, the other lads like, just, <laughs> they'd be lost, I think. <laughs> they wouldn't know what to talk about. Yeah, and, and, and it's a weird thing as well because I, I know they, they talk about it a certain way and, it, you know, being a wrestling fan is, is it's opinions, you know what I mean? And stuff like that. But... I, I think the two boys as well. There's a lot of stuff that went on at TNA that those boys would really enjoy if they gave a bit of time to it and stuff like that. But look, remains to be seen. But it's um, it's a great time at the moment in wrestling. There's a lot of really good stuff going on at the moment. WWE knocking it out of the park. SmackDown Money in the Bank and Raw the other night. Slammiversary absolutely knocking it out of the park, both with the quality of the stuff, but also with some of the guys that showed up and stuff like that. Um, it's very intriguing and where it's going to go with AEW and stuff like that. And also... Um, yeah, get on board. I, I think I think there's some really exciting times ahead outside of WWE, yeah. which will help WWE because they'll have to lift their game. And because uh, yeah, yeah. you know, as you know yourself, competition 
lifts everyone's game. So it's good. It's good for everybody. We know when the indie scene is buzzing and those promotions are buzzing as well, then WWE will be buzzing as well because people are all in on wrestling and they'll they'll watch whatever is served up. Absolutely. Listen, pleasure as always talking to you again. Really enjoyed. If you want to check out our show, we dropped last week on the NWL. 25 years. Me and Joe had an absolute blast on it. Without a shadow of a doubt. Between the good and the bad, um, head over to YouTube. Dynamo Podcast Network, smash that subscribe bell notification button. Also, give it a share, get it out there. Let's grow this community. Um, audio versions of the show, Spotify, Podbean, Apple iTunes. And if you want to drop your comments in there, let us know. You TNA fans, we know you're out there because we were out there, so we know that you guys are out there. Drop those comments in there, let us know about TNA and what you loved and what you hated because it certainly was a roller coaster of a ride being a fan of TNA. If you want to contact the show, we're on Twitter, at T-Podman. And if you want to contact us on Facebook, therefore, Podman. Till next time, Joe, a pleasure. Take care of yourself, buddy.